This week's episode, we got Lizzie Land on. She's a pop artist all the way up from Portland. She's been working full-time in LA, recently got millions of streams on Spotify, quit her day job, and now she's out doing this full-time. I could float on, I'd be fine on my own. No, no, no. I hear a love song playing in my head like, ooh, ooh. I hear a love song circling around, oh, ooh. So what has gotten you into music? What has kind of created this Lizzie Land brand that you've oh, man. come to be? <laughs> it's a lot. It's taken a really long time for me to get to the point that I'm at now. I mean, I released my first original song in 2016, but it took like four years of writing uh, yeah. my own stuff to get to that point. It was a lot of trial and error. I, When I moved to Los Angeles, I was working with a bunch of different producers. And when and did you move to LA? I moved in 2013, so I've been here about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a whirlwind. But I, I moved here and I really didn't know anybody. I actually had my manager um, hook me up with a couple of different producers and I didn't know what I was going for like yeah. at all. Um, I didn't know what the sound was supposed to be. And I was trying out a bunch of different things and doing a lot of like kind of dance tracks, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, um, my sound just kind of came about like really slowly. And a lot of the first, uh, sessions that I had with producers were sort of like dead ends because I didn't know like what I was going for. I was referencing like a lot of different stuff and it was a little bit chaotic. And then I'd be like, Oh, like this isn't right. I'm not going to put this out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like something I wish I would have. I wish I've, I wish I would have like followed through yeah. and finished more songs and put them out because that's the only way to really grow. But I, I critiqued a lot of the over criticized what I was doing. I think that's a lot of people's <laughs> uh, like Achilles heel when it comes to like creating in general. Yeah. They try to make it perfect, and there really yeah. is no perfect. You're really just giving yourself a reason not to put yourself out there yeah maybe i mean i don't know about in your case but i've talked to other artists or uh even like videographers or anything like that that they get kind of uh uh, you can see it almost as an excuse because they're scared to like show that side of themselves to the public you know yeah because it's a very intimate thing absolutely yeah but um I read that you actually had your manager before you came out to LA and you're from Portland, right? I did. Yeah. I grew up in uh, Lake Oswego, a little town outside of Portland. And I was there up until I went to college um, in New York. And when I moved to New York, I was going for music, but I just really wanted to like be in a different atmosphere. I wanted to meet new people and have all new experiences and just get like far from Oregon. (laughs) It became very monotonous to live there. And, um, I felt like I just knew everybody and I everything was a little bit too familiar. We're talking so, like New York City, like Manhattan? Yeah, or? I lived, um, I went to school at Marymount Manhattan, which is a small liberal arts school for a little bit. And then I dropped out um, less than a year into it because yeah, I did. realized, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I realized that I, I just wanted to pursue music and um, and I, I chose communications as a major just because I wasn't really sure what I was mm-hmm. doing. So then um, when I left school, I moved home to Oregon for a little bit and then 
with the intention of moving back to New York. And I ended up back there um, working as a server and a bartender all over the place. But I lived on uh, 23rd, so like right in Gramercy mm. with a friend of mine. I lived in the living room. He lived in the bedroom. And we made this like two bedroom out of this really small, like basically a studio space. Damn. It was, yeah. it was nuts. And that's but, even more intense in New York because it's like even oh, more yeah. of a shoebox than in LA. Oh my God. I could reach the refrigerator from my bed. <laughs> It was nice. Well, it would be great for late night snacking. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, my manager, um, I was posting these videos, like YouTube covers, uh, with a loop machine. I saw that. I yeah. saw your uh, AWOL Nation cover. Yeah. It's badass. They're old. I, I think I was watching... Um, a video from Tune Yards. Are you familiar? No. She's a really badass looper. And um, and is this all pre-Ed Sheeran? Like, did Ed Sheeran make looping hot in a way? Because I guess that yeah, Ed Sheeran was way after I did this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Ed, look out. Lizzie started the looping <laughs> fad. Okay. Yeah. So I bought um, whatever she was using. Like, I I watched the YouTube video and I was like, I need to get like everything that she has. So I bought um, a Digitech Jam Man pedal, and it's really meant for guitar looping. But I plugged in. Um, a microphone and I was like I don't know I didn't know what I was really doing and so I wasn't sure if I was using it the right way but I was recording all these different loops and creating my own instrumental and then just singing over the top and from what I remember like I don't think a lot of people were doing it yet so when I posted them like I got a lot of traction and then the AWOL Nation I can't remember who posted it but some um I think he was like uh, like some adventure blogger or something posted it mm -hmm. and then it got a bunch of views and then like, my other videos it? Yeah, yeah. He um they, he found it. He gave it. you credit though, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that's the worst it. when that happens when they don't like uh, no, say who actually produced it. Yeah, he did. And then um, and then yeah, it kind of went like viral for a second. So I got a lot of like traction, and that was my main like social media at the time was YouTube. Mm -hmm. I don't use it anymore or as much. Um, I post my my songs on YouTube, but I my followers like I think I have. A, a good deal of followers I just I think they're like older followers and I don't know if they're as engaged anymore mm -hmm. um so it's been harder to get uh plays from from YouTube I mean now. that can definitely happen when we have a uh friend that we met at a church home said church uh, kind of like in the Beverly Hills area mm -hmm. and she has a million subscribers on YouTube oh, wow. and I don't I don't know what happened <laughs> we don't think she bought them we won't mm -hmm. name who it is That's however however the, her engagement is like in the thousands which it makes no sense. Oh, and I'm yeah. not talking tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. Like thousands, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it can definitely fall off if you don't maintain that interaction with your fans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, Lizzie, let's bring it back. So, Portland, Oregon, where were you born? What hospital? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what hour? What minute? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, tell me a little bit. Know what time tell me born. a little bit about the life of Lizzie as a child. Like, uh, what were your inspirations musically? I've seen videos of you as a kid doing karaoke, so I know it started young. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. So my mom played a lot of like diva music in the house, <laughs> mm -hmm. like Celine Dion and Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. Um. So big fan of like well, I used to be a big fan of like divas and the runs and everything. And so I mean I grew up with a lot of like that kind of music in my house, and I would like dance around in front of the mirror and like I don't know pretend I was some superstar <laughs> when I was yeah. little. Uh, my mom likes to tell this story of a dinner party that she had when I don't know how old I was, probably around like three or four. And she brings everyone into the room and says that I'm going to like perform or something. And I'm singing this. I get up on this chair and I'm like, I'm really shy anyway. Like as a performer, I always get butterflies. And I I'm, I guess I got like really like shell shocked when I got on this stool and I was like, anybody, I'm going to sing. I'm in the mood for love. And I start oh. singing it like like a man, start like really young. deep. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> happened, but it was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know how that sounded, but I guess I've always been singing and that's always been like a part of my life. Mm -hmm. So I was just like kind of a crazy kid. What artists were main inspirations for you growing up? I mean, so you name Mariah Carey, Celine. Celine Dion, uh, Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, for sure. But then later on, I mean, I, I saw your AWOL Nation cover, Fantagram. Where did that kind of come in? Yeah, it turned more like indie pop um, as I got older. Um, I still like, like, really poppy music. Like, I loved Spice Girls growing up. Yeah. So, um I'm into the I'm into like girl pop uh, every once in a while, but yeah, Definitely. I think as I got older, I started. Cheetah girls. <laughs> oh, Cheetah Girls for sure. 
Yeah, no, I got into a lot of um, different music, especially like in high school, I was listening to like Modest Mouse and oh, uh, yeah. like, I don't know, a little bit chiller. And then, um, but yeah, when, when I was doing, when I was living in New York and I was doing all of those covers that I put on YouTube, I was just really choosing songs that I like loved at the time. So that mm-hmm. was just kind of a reflection of what I was listening to then and then kind of emulating them um, in my own way. And that's eventually how um, I found my manager. He f- saw the YouTube videos and then um, and sent At what email. time was this? Was this in Oregon or in New York? I was living in New York at the time. Okay. Um, and then he... And that's when you're rocking most of your cover videos? The covers, yeah. Yeah, he, I guess he saw one of the covers and then emailed me. He actually ended up flying me out to Los Angeles to meet me and hang out and then pretty much told me that if I wanted to to take music to the next level and really do it seriously that I needed to be in Los Angeles so mm-hmm. I eventually ended up out here not long after which is where all the sharks are too I mean it's a lot of competition out here so it's ruthless yeah oh yeah LA yeah. is for sure really ruthless and it's hard to really like come into yourself here and figure out who you are because there's just so many people that seem to be doing something really similar. So finding your own voice has been like, it's a challenge. Um, to stand out from the crowd essentially. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to say like what's going to work and timing is a big factor in that. But I think just being genuine and in, in who you are and what you're, what you're trying to say and do is the best, uh, is the best route. Mm. Well, I was reading some interviews that you've done, and I saw that in eighth grade you had, it was like a girl or boy turned around and said, you really have a voice, right? Oh. I'm sure you've had that, that a bunch right. of times. You're like, yeah, I do remember that exact moment. I'm sure it ha- has happened a bunch of times since you're so talented. But my main point with that is, have you, did you have a light bulb moment where like, ooh, like I could really take this seriously or... Just recently, I mean, you're yeah. in the process now of quitting your job and right. taking this thing on full time. I mean, where was that moment where you had that light bulb moment and was like, oh, I could really give this a go and do this full time? Yeah, I mean, I think in high school, I was I was in a show choir and that was the first time that I really put myself out there like on stage. And I loved it. Like I ate it up. It was really cheesy and um, and everything. But I, I ended up like really liking being on stage even though that's that's actually really different from my personality I'm kind of introverted um but something about it like felt really natural so when I left high school that's why I decided to go to New York because I was gonna actually try to audition for like a Broadway thing because I loved the like show choir aspect of it but after that um that would have been interesting. I, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually did plays when I was little, and I never could remember any of the lines. I remember like one of my teachers was always like feeding them to me because I like, couldn't. I, I can't retain a lot of information like that. Mm. Um, yeah, so my light bulb moment for full-time music, like that didn't really happen until I got to L.A., Mm-hmm. And when uh, I put music out, that's really what it takes, I think, essentially, is to really put yourself out there, actually, so people can listen and stream. And once I got kind of validation from those uh, platforms, yeah. all the streams and, like, seeing the numbers and then seeing actual, like, money come in, because it's not a lot, but you do, you know, streaming royalties are a thing and people can live off of them. So that was a nice incentive and an- another validation to kind of put me in a position where I could think about doing it full-time yeah so you're saying from this transition of growing up it was more of once you were out in New York kind of got uh poached by your manager now Mm -hmm. and then getting the validation from your amount of streams that you're pulling in and yeah royalties coming in yeah maybe you could buy some meals here and there (laughs) yeah for sure I've had I mean everyone has to have sometimes multiple jobs to make it work um until you get to a certain point but the the other thing is that you can make a lot of money with um like licensing a lot of songs uh can be placed in shows and that's another mm-hmm. way to make pretty good money um i think that's the best way to make money for, and i, for I imagine artists. you work with an agency for that right yeah i work with a company called hyper extension um that pitches songs that i've written for for different shows mm-hmm. uh, um it's been it's been uh 360 from like where i was before um because you can actually live off of that kind of money so it's really nice (laughs) that's awesome yeah so i mean it's not like you just stepped into la and boom you got thousands of dollars from these royalties so where was this transition where i'm assuming you might have had a single on spotify or maybe on youtube and things started maybe picking up but what did it take to really hit these uh, million streams that you've been getting recently? 
Um, when I put out Sweet Melody is the first song that I released. That was in 2016. And I was using a distribution service called Dashgo, um, who they they put all, all your songs on all the different platforms like Spotify, Apple mm-hmm. Music. Kind of like a syndicator. Mm-hmm. And then after, but this specific one also pitches for playlists. And when I put it out, it immediately got on New Music Friday and Weekly Buzz. Uh, does it cost extra for that or no? <laughs> you don't pay. I mean, I wish you could pay for that. Well, it's no, really no. Just a, well, one second. Uh, no, you can pay for uh, playlist placement. Um, you'll kind of see there's an interview I did that dropped last week ish uh that has a rapper in it and we were just talking about the controversies of how you can play x amount of money to get on like rap caviar or whatever and then your place really pick up but but low-key spotify is trying to keep on the dl yeah that's seriously that is like a low-key thing i've definitely heard of that um, like the whole payola controversies oh yeah there's there's a bunch of i've heard of a lot of like different bribery for playlists um but yeah, in my case, <laughs> that didn't happen. You um, got it the goody two shoes way. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I it's been really DIY so far. Um, I haven't had any kind of budget for like A and R or anything. So when I put that song out, I didn't have any real expectations for playlists specifically, and especially New Music Friday. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, um, I got on it. Actually, I didn't get on it the week that I put the song out, which is generally how it happens. I got on it the following week, um, mm-hmm. and then. From there, like I feel like I was a little underprepared for that because um, ideally I would have liked to have other songs ready for a release and yeah. to have like more um, ready to go, I guess. And I, I I didn't have anything and I was totally overwhelmed by that. And that's because you really had all this exposure but not enough uh, of a library of content. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, in the way. Look at Post Malone, for example. That kind of happened to him, but 10x. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Like, he really got put into the limelight, and then he didn't really have anything else to I know, put like, out, what so he had to almost scramble to it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, so now my approach when I release music is to definitely have, like, a game plan and, and figure out what I'm about to do next before I put something out, just in case mm-hmm. that were to happen. But um, since I put out Sweet Melodies and since the New Music Friday, it's been a lot harder to get playlisted. I think as Spotify has progressed, it's just, there's like you said, there's so many different like ways of getting on different playlists, and there's a lot of weird controversy about it. Um, so it's no- nothing is a guarantee. Yeah. Well, I mean, since we're kind of talking about this is like entrepreneur influence or people uh, interested in business oriented podcast. I mean, what were the numbers behind that? How much was your initial investment for that single, for example, or your membership you had with, it's called Dash, right? Dash Go. Yeah. I didn't put any money into it. I, um, I believe it's, I think they take 20% of that's their incentive of the royalties, streaming royalties. Oh, okay. So you don't pay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't pay up front. I know there are services that you can, um, but this route just made the most sense for me financially at the time. Um, yeah, even down to the artwork, I, I did all of that myself. Um, and I wanted it to come off, um, natural and not like it was coming from like a label or another source. Like I wanted it to be really like uniquely me. Yeah. Um, so I decided to do all of it myself and, and not really like pay for much, I guess. I definitely feel like people are hungry for that out there, especially now with music being circulated through the internet. Mm -hmm. People are open to those different, uh, routes of distribution like that. Yeah, absolutely. There's no right way to do it. But, I mean, what comes down to the actual strategy when you're, like, I'm sure you have some records in the backlog right now. They're kind yeah. of getting ready to push out right now, especially. Mm-hmm. What comes down to the actual uh, press when you're trying to do it, blogs, or how you distribute it on Spotify? Like, how do you get this fuel behind your music when you're releasing it what's your strategy with that um it differs every song is different um it depends for me on the the feel of the song and the approach kind of changes like it could be a i do a lot of feature work where i'm on other people's tracks and if that's the case then their label or they have a team that kind of takes care of that but for me personally um when i'm like i'm getting ready to put my ep out and I think a lot of it comes with like building up to the EP. So mm-hmm. having all of that content ready to go and kind of like introducing it in a natural way that I can curate myself is 
um, is really helpful when it comes to actually the day of the release and everyone like being aware that it's coming out because that's really important. I think a lot of like a lot of people make the mistake of just kind of putting a song out and assuming that it's going to be seen or heard like immediately and seeing those results like very quickly. And that's just not the case for the most part, Um, or at least that's not what I've seen just because there's so much music coming out constantly that I think making people aware of it beforehand is really important. I mean, it's honestly more than half the battle, in my opinion, because you can be this amazing artist with all this talent and maybe just have your song on iTunes or something. Mm-hmm. But if there's no talk or circulation, I mean, yeah, then what? Yeah, how do you get your name happen? out there? Right. But that, that's happen. what I'm wondering. What are you saying? I was just going to say, like, it does happen that you don't have to say much because you might have like a really unique voice or it might be different enough. But it's just it's so slim that that does pay off. Yeah. Well, so that's what I'm wondering with you, because I've seen other people who are talented and maybe people that can, like, get their name out there a bit. But you have both, I feel like. And not everyone does. So, I I mean, so do you have any kind of, like, formula you think in your head? Like, okay, I'm going to go to maybe these blogs and let them know about my release Mm. or maybe I'm going to do some paid, uh, I don't know, posts on Instagram or Facebook or like what's kind of like your thing that you're like, okay, I got to get a budget for this maybe. Right. I don't know. So I've built some relationships um, since I started releasing music that have been really helpful. Um, So what happened? Okay. So when I put out my first track, I used another service called Submit Hub which is essentially you purchase credits um, and I think each credit is a dollar and I, and I believe there's only like, there's a limit to how many credits you can buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is there's a bunch of music blogs that are affiliated with Submit Hub uh, and they're registered under this service where they take a dollar, they listen to the entirety of your song mm-hmm. and then they give you feedback and let you know if they're going to post it on their music blog or not and why i guess um it essentially takes like a song and presents it to a bunch of blogs at once yeah so well what was happening before to get on a music blog you had to know somebody know a curator of the blog or have a relationship or they just discover you randomly but now that there's so much music they um the creator of indie shuffle um created this kind of hub where they could um all the blogs were aware and paid each time they listen to a song. So they had incentive to really listen and give you feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess it just gives people that wouldn't be able to access those blogs a chance for them to listen to their music. So um, I was really fortunate that I started using it when it was fairly new. I don't think like a lot of people had caught on to it uh, at that point. And I got really lucky and I got, I think like I used like $50 or something and uh, I got 50 credits. So 50 blogs listened to the song. And then I think I got like, 12 or 15 of them to post the the song which gave me like a lot of traction which was also probably really helpful in playlists that followed because I know Spotify pays attention to that Mm -hmm. um and then from there I created a relationship with them over like Twitter or um Facebook even Instagram like I was posting them and like talking to them and if they would DM I would respond because I really cared and it like mattered to me yeah Um, with the blogs that reblogged you right yeah absolutely so those relationships have been really helpful um to me after I had uh put out that first song and they now kind of automatically will look for my releases and the ones that I do have good relationships with will post it so now you don't really have to maintain it with money so much you've already won them over once so you're really just maintaining the relationship right (laughs) yeah yeah exactly I like that and what about what are your thoughts on radio play in its current state right now because I work at Kiss I see these artists come Mm -hmm. in but I mean we're talking like big artists like Shawn Mendes Tiesto what do you think for the indie artists that's trying to get know. into the mainstream because I'm I yeah. that's kind of the goal. You know, you want some yeah. hits to go gold, platinum, right. the likes, right? It's really strange. Uh, I don't know a lot about how you get on the radio. I think you probably have to have to be on a label or something, yeah, or like be super weird. lucky. Yeah, I um. I mean, uh, to share a little piece of what I've experienced, I, I've been kind of hanging around my bosses more at Kiss, mm-hmm. like the music director, program directors, and on Wednesdays, for example, they'll have like all the major labels come in and bring out. They're new music the artists are trying to push, and they're called radio promotions. But uh, are agents they all under or, labels? Huh? Are they all under labels? Yeah, we're talking artists? like Atlantic, Capital, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't really see a lot of like no-name uh, yeah. people coming in? I don't even know in. if you can do that, yeah. I'm not even yeah. sure if you can be on the radio without a label, right? Uh, 
I wouldn't necessarily say that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know because there are some low-key artists. Like, you'll have to check her out. Bulo, who has... I'll show her... Uh, show you her song after cool. the interview. But she only has, like, same following as you, and she's getting radio play on Kiss and stuff. But oh, she tight. might have, a, like, a low-key deal with Capital or something. Yeah. They do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So, so I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering what your opinion is on that sort of distribution looking up to that, you know? Yeah. Especially in its current form with things transitioning to streaming. Right. Apps. I I don't focus a lot on radio. I feel like it's really out of reach for someone like me at this stage of my career. Yeah. Um but I mean, ideally that would be amazing because that really means you've made it. But I think um it takes a lot to get there and I think the way that we listen to music isn't so much um on the radio. I think it's really all about streaming right now. Um so that's really what I focus on. That's why you know, I'm not really sure even the steps to get to that point. Yeah. Um but I think when you do reach that point, um you've got a lot of backing and a lot of support. Um so it probably has to do with uh there's a lot behind the scenes of of radio play. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure. even sure what my opinion on it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's why I just wanted to see what yeah. your perspective was yeah. on it. It takes like a certain kind of artist too, and I know that that's changing. Like I think before on on radio like it was these it's like hits, you know, like massive hits. And now I think it's transitioning or the way like a pop song is 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 formulated differently than it used to be, if yeah. that makes sense. So it's like you can be more indie like when I think Lord was like a really um a shift in in what radio was i think her like lyricism was very poetic and very different than a pop song before that that was on the radio mm-hmm. so i think you're i think it's the possibility of being on the radio is greater now for artists like myself that aren't so much like bubblegum pop or like yeah. a specific genre of pop there's all these like subcategories so if you can write a hit i think it's possible and that would be awesome. <laughs> I know I know when it comes down to like a pitch for a song to get played by like Kiss, for example, uh, the label execs, like I, this is probably only one of their ways that they try to persuade, but they'll highlight different statistics and um, what's the word? I don't know, KPIs maybe, mm, you know, mm-hmm. like ways to show <laughs> yeah. progress Yeah. Uh, in terms of like Shazam Play, Spotify streams, mm-hmm. the likes of YouTube skip plays. Skip rates. It, all that. Yeah, skip rates. Yeah. They use those statistics, and I feel like on one coin, you do say it is out of reach for you, for example. However, I feel like with us being gifted the internet in its current state right now, we've been more enabled than ever to have that possibility of being noticed by the labels, right. by the different executives, just because it's not like a you need to know somebody necessarily yeah. kind of thing. You just show as them your analytics. Anymore, you know? <laughs> If you had like a yeah. billion streams, I'm sure yeah. Atlantic someone would be like, "What the hell's going on yeah. here?" You know. Well, what I'm I mean, saying? that's that's what I mean is that so that's, it's possible, yeah. but it just does take uh, it. To, you have to get to that point, and then a label has to notice, and then the label will help you get on radio. So yeah. it's like unless you, if you don't want to be under a label, I think it's a lot harder to get to that point. What are your thoughts on distribution deals versus just being signed to a 360? Which I which I'm. You know what I mean by that, right? Um, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I've used a lot of different distribution services, and I think it's better to be as independent as you can um, and do things kind of song by song unless you you know, are seeing like really great payoff from one specific service. Um, I've dabbled in a couple because... Um, I think different services cater to different types of music and different um, at different times, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a confusing and kind of you have to make like the right decision at the right time. And that can be really stressful uh, to know exactly what you're supposed to do with your songs and then figuring out if you want to do just a single with a specific distributor versus like putting out an entire EP. It's like a, it's a big decision. So. I don't know. It it's a it's tough to figure that out. Yeah. Well, what about so we're we're talking, you know, from the indie level on that, but what about from like the major perspective when you see artists like, I don't know, Chance or I guess 21 Savage was I I'm sure you know. You're I are, are you familiar with rap or no? Not really. I don't listen to a lot of rap. Okay, okay. But like indie artists for example, right? Mm-hmm. Recently, we've seen people like Chance the Rapper, 21 Savage just do distribution or not even be signed to a label mm-hmm. yeah and proceed that way but what's your opinion on 
it's really just what we're talking about, like lower level distribution on the internet uh, escalated when it's with a label, yeah. right? But what what I'm wondering about your opinion is, what do you think of that being artists with stature working out distribution versus being signed to a whole deal where everything is managed 360-wise? Okay, so labels, personally, um, I've heard just horror stories about certain labels from other artists, uh, friends of mine, so... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to give up control creatively to a, a label completely. So if I were to ever sign to a label, it would have to be one that really understood my vision and I, I could retain all of that, um, all the decision making. Because when you become like a puppet artist, I find that like not fun anymore. That's a whole different job. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some of the bigger artists that you see that are on the radio are under deals that I think when you get to a certain point, you're going to be able to retain a specific amount of creativity. But I think in the beginning stages, when you're kind of told what what you can um, put out, what kind of music, what your visuals are, yeah. that's when it becomes kind of not so fun anymore. I think that takes the the fun out of being an artist and being creative yeah and you do hear a lot of major artists a lot of them have been caught quoting i'm so happy now because i can make what i want essentially yeah, yeah probably which kind of tells you deal. in the beginning <laughs> they were really just being told what to do yeah right? yeah exactly but i think it's changing so i'm open to the idea of of labels it just has to be the right label and make sense yeah well we're almost moving out of you know social distribution labels but i want to know i mean what what's your strategy when it's come to gaining an instagram following Mm. and and, uh yeah we already kind of touched on spotify so i guess like instagram facebook those kinds of socials what's your like outlook on that how has that helped you with your Um, streaming and all that instagram is such a strange machine (laughs) (laughs) it's so powerful right now um Having worked in marketing too, I've kind of seen like behind the curtains and I know what it takes to to put out like a steady stream of content and it takes a lot. It takes a lot of time and effort. And um, I I do just think that the the most successful social media channels are coming from just genuine, um, genuine engagement, like in the moment and not so thought out or curated, I think. So my approach is just been if I'm, I go through phases of posting and then not posting and, um, it can be intimidating to figure out what you want on social media too. So I just kind of like try to, you know, I, I don't know. I get, I, I, I post things that are in the moment for the most part. I don't have a real strategy when it comes to gaining followers Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like gaining engagement. I'm, I'm kind of just trying to remain consistent in, in what I post. Would you say that your engagement following has kind of stemmed from your Spotify streams and, and yeah, YouTube that too? Yeah, has a lot like to People do getting with it. your name from there. Yeah, um, the ability. So Spotify just recently allowed you to put your Instagram handle and all the rest of your social media on your actual artist page, which has been really helpful. I gained a, a good amount of followers, I think, from that. SoundCloud lets you do that too. I guess all of them really let you in the the little info section um put your put your handle so that's that's been helpful um but yeah whenever I put out music or collaborate with other artists that have an, a different following than mine too I can kind of get um get a little boost here and there and then gain a different type of audience yeah what about when it comes to maintaining your audience because we were talking about old followers versus new yeah um I think I think that goes hand in hand with just being genuine in who you are because those followers are just going to follow, follow you for that. Um, if that makes sense. So, but I, I do think there that you need to create, um, you know, a consistent flow of content, uh, for them to stay with you mm-hmm. on that journey of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> the social journey. Yeah. Social journey. Uh, well, so let's move back out to Lizzie as a whole. You perform with a band, so mm-hmm. you're not just a solo act. We actually went to your first show, I think. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, I was surprised to see 
what was it like a three or four piece band yeah you had a drummer a guitarist and a bassist no drummer but i have um oh you didn't have a drum i had no. a piano yeah i got a synth player uh, my friend taylor and then boaz is my guitar player who also plays in rooney and taylor plays in mating ritual which yeah. is another band that i used to play in as well and i write with still uh-huh. so would you say that this I know your your real name isn't Lizzie Lamb, but the, it is. The, That's it my is? real name. What the <laughs> yeah. hell? Your last name is Land. Well, I mean, it's Elizabeth. There we go. Um, but it's Land. <laughs> my last name is Land. <laughs> I've never been called Elizabeth. Elizabeth Only when Land? I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay, cool. So, Lizzie Land. Yes. It is your real name after all. It's my real name. <laughs> Just recently found that out. <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of people ask me. They're like, "Oh, that's such a cool stage name." And oh I'm yeah. Like, oh no, it's not. It's not a stage name. <laughs> Just switch it to Elizabeth Land. That'd be a little bit more. Edgy, yeah, that's a little more formal. <laughs> Elizabeth has always just yeah felt kind of like so royal or something. It's, yeah, it's, it doesn't feel like Elizabeth my personality. Yeah, Elizabeth Land. Well, anyway, so it's not just you when you're performing. Would you mm-hmm. call yourself like you know? I'm Lizzie a solo Land? Let's artist. Let's just talk about Lizzie. I, I guess yeah. You're yeah, a solo I would artist. call myself a solo artist. Um. I actually am trying to uh, figure out a way to do like a one-man band kind of thing where I can where go up on stage kind of by thing, myself just using everything yeah. yourself. I might go back to the whole looping thing. Yeah, um, that'd I don't be know. Sick. Yeah, it's been a while since I brought that puppy out, but yeah. I need to figure out a way to do maybe like a stripped-down version of the show. But yeah, I I am a solo artist, but I do play with um, a guitar player. His name is Boaz. He's also in the band Rooney, and he also plays in Mating Ritual. And Taylor, my synth player, is also in Mating Ritual as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they're borrowed players, um, really close friends of mine. That's what I was wondering, if they're more committed to just you or if... No, they play in a lot of different things. Um, so that is like a... a struggle for me because I wish that I could play with them all the time. Um, for instance, they're both going on tour... Uh, so during those months, I, I can't say yes to like live show opportunities unless I have a stripped down version ready mm-hmm. to go. So that's another thing that I'm trying to work on right now to, kinda, to figure out. Yeah. Figure out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I'm kind of wondering, because you are performing with them, have they kind of helped you shape your noise in a way too, you think? Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, Taylor. <laughs> You're like, no, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> they have nothing to I do with it. I just use them. <laughs> <laughs> no, Taylor, uh, his writing name is actually Suede James. Um, he's an amazing um, artist as well. And he and I, he wrote the instrumental to Sweet Melodies. That was actually a top line because he already had the instrumental ready to go. He had been working on it for years, I think. And I just took it and wrote the melody and lyrics to it. There we go. <laughs> um, so that one actually, yeah, I was written in such a short amount of time. Those are the best songs. The ones that are written like in a day are the ones that always work. I always hear that with hits, especially. Yeah. Too. It's the craziest thing because I've heard where artists can spend weeks, months, even a year having yeah. pieces of a song sitting around. If you tweak it too much, it's like you're overdoing it and yeah. you're overthinking it. Yeah, it never works out as well. Okay, so what was I talking about? So Taylor is an amazing artist. He has definitely helped shape my sound um, because, like I mentioned briefly before, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I had no idea what I was going for. I was listening to so many different types of music, and I really couldn't hone in on, like, one one vibe. Um, so he's kind of... At this point, we we write together on most of all, most all of my tracks are me and him, and then sometimes his brother Ryan. Um, but for the most part, he will I'll bring him like a melody and um, you know kind of the bones of the song, and then he produces around it, and we kind of shape it like that together. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's a dual effort there. And then Boaz actually, um, I just brought on as a guitar player recently. Um, right before my first live show and he adds a really cool live element to the show I think I don't have a lot of guitar recorded in my tracks but yeah. since I'm playing with him now um, I'm realizing that I I want to add more guitar so um, yeah I think I think they both add a really cool element and help me shape my sound for sure as working with the band ever been a struggle in itself because you hear about there being fights between bandmates at times on creative (laughs) decisions and directioning yeah i mean there's always strong opinions um at the end of the day in my case i think 
uh, I work closer with uh, Taylor Sway James on on everything, and I think he kind of gives me more control and the the last say, I guess, when it comes to my music, because because I am considered I consider myself a solo artist. If it were like a duo, I think we would probably fight a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, he we all we all have opinions, and sometimes you know it can get kind of heated. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I have a pretty good working relationship with everyone that I collaborate with musically. And this kind of brings me, you know, with the struggle of dealing with a band and working with a band and all getting along, especially mm-hmm. with being creative. What kind of other struggles have you ran into with this whole process of going through the music industry and doing shows? I mean, is, is there there's anything? There's a lot. I mean, there's yeah, a lot like, to juggle. Yeah, what have you had to work around adversity? Yeah, there's a lot to juggle um, when you're doing music just because there's no real, like, organization to it sometimes like there's there's live shows and then there's like live sessions you do um writing sessions and uh you know interviews you want to take pictures and everyone has to kind of coordinate all of that together so there's just a lot of elements to it that people on the outside of the industry might not think about um and it can be stressful especially with the lifestyle of a musician i think that a lot of them i mean we all for the most part in the beginning have to have these day jobs and everyone's schedule can be really conflicting and really different. So timing everything and figuring all of that out, a time to get together, um, can be really a lot. It can be really stressful. Yeah. What about, I saw, I believe it was you that you had to cancel a show because of some drama with a venue, right? Oh my gosh. What happened with that? (laughs) That was crazy. That was very recently, wasn't it? Like within the last two months? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to like put this guy on blast, but, um, <laughs> you don't have the name. Of him, I guess. Yeah, it was this, it was an owner. He who shall not be named. He who shall Voldemort. not be named. He, um, I named him. So basically we were playing at a venue. We we're set to play at a venue. Um, and a week before there was this crazy drama with the owner of the venue and he had posted these like threatening notes to this homeless community around the area. I, I know that it is a problem where in San Francisco, right? In San Francisco. Yeah. Where, um, there were a lot of break-ins, a lot of van break-ins and a lot of artist equipment was being stolen, which really sucks. So I get it. Um, he was heated, pretty pissed. And he wrote all of these crazy, messages to this homeless community saying he's gonna like you know after dawn he if you were there past like dusk he was gonna hunt you down or oh some crazy shit yeah. yeah so um that was one element and that to was it. on facebook or something that or? happened like i think it happened back in february yeah. and no one knew who it was but then an a former employee came forward with this footage of the owner like getting Uh, like macing a a homeless guy or this homeless guy was coming to his car and then he pulled out a gun and like chased him to the other side of the sidewalk so it was just like it was so much he was like this he was like off the rail like crazy dude like um really violently kind of attacking this like homeless community and then when it came down to it we found out that it, it was like confirmed that it was him that did it we just didn't feel right giving them our business um and just kind of uncomfortable with his overall vibe um and we've i've i've i hate canceling shows and i um i really really wanted to play so it was a huge bummer i actually also had a so far sounds session that i was going to do that i had to cancel as well because we couldn't make it out there it was going to be in san francisco so yeah we had to cancel that and that was really stressful um but so did, how did you work around that? Did you end up rescheduling a day? Are you in the process of that right now? Um, I mean, I'm, I definitely love to play so far. Again, I know that they do sessions here in LA, so I'm, I'm going to reach out and see what I can do about that uh, rescheduling-wise. But I don't know about the other guy. I mean, I obviously wouldn't want to play at his venue ever. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about you have a, you have a, a fan base. So yeah. like, what have you, have you told them, oh, we're going to be doing another show in yeah. the area? Yeah, so I, I'm actively looking to play in San Francisco again. Um, I know the band, I was opening for Mating Ritual, who is actually going back to San Francisco in August to play. So they were, they told their fans, you know, we're coming back. Yeah. Um, for me, I... Uh, they're they're going on tour and my players are in that band so yeah, I have to kind of wait till they get back. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, my once that happened, I immediately f- tried to seek out another opportunity to play live. So I'm playing um, at Madame Siam's on Tuesday. 
in the Bay? In Los Angeles. It's brand new, I think. Or okay. it's a newer venue. Um, I haven't actually been there yet, but I guess it's on Hudson. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm kind of lost because we were talking about the, you know, uh, mating ritual being in the Bay Area. But So you guys are going to be performing together this Tuesday, though. No. Okay. Sorry. So mating ritual, the initial show that we were playing in San Francisco, it was, it's, they were headlining and I was opening for them. So, um, since we canceled that show, cause of that crazy guy, uh, you know, they told their fans they they have another show cause they're going on tour and they're stopping in San Francisco. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah. But they're not playing. I'm Adam Sam's. I'm just playing. I'm opening for another, um, artist. Okay. But with some of the pieces of mating ritual, right? Yeah. Cause they're still around. They're just going on tour later. So oh, okay, got to cool. get it in before well, they leave. Shout out. I mean, don't know if this interview will be released after that, but if so, hope you enjoyed the show. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so any funny or awkward stories while you've been going through this journey of the music industry and recording too? Oh, probably. Um, let's see. Yeah, so this was also okay. I think I have two. So that same platform, Submit Hub, that I was using, um, what they do when they give you feedback, it's usually really short. I think the more the the longer that it's been around, they listen to only like a certain amount of the song, and then they kind of, you know, like write things really quickly because they have so many songs to listen to. So I used it more recently on a song that I collaborated um, on with my friend Cole who's also known as Shire. He did a remix to Sweet Melodies for me Mm -hmm. and then we worked together again on another song called Holding Out For You and we used Submit Hub again and this was like I said much later on so the service was just kind of running different and we got all of this feedback that was kind of like I don't know um, like not enough soul or like the feedback was just like really funny to us just because it was like kind of off base from what the song was and not that any of like bad feedback is is bad I actually like really appreciate constructive criticism but we used it in a way where we made this poster um with the the feedback that wasn't so good and then we like called out the blog that it came from and posted it on um social media saying like excited for the release just to be like kind of lighthearted about it um because why not (laughs) and submit have got really upset all these blogs were like super mad and i was like oh my god this is so awkward (laughs) i didn't mean for it to come off in the in a bad way but i guess it ended up being super weird i mean that (laughs) happens sometimes some things don't hit (laughs) yeah i mean it was just a chance and um yeah it ended up being fine um but yeah that was one awkward thing another awkward story was uh, when I, before I'd really started figuring out how to write songs properly, I was doing these exercises from a book called songwriting without boundaries. <laughs> and they have you write like, uh, first different time periods. Like it'll say like, take five minutes to write about what a cloud tastes like or something really oh, out of the God. box. Yeah. So I would write all of these kind of like crazy things. Um, and you're not supposed to really think about it. It's like a free flow of, of writing. And, um, then I would record them. I would read them later and record them in a voice memo. And I was seeing this guy at the time and he asked me to send this song that I had been working on. And I was like super nervous to send it to him. And I ended up sending him the five minute recording of whatever I had written for the songwriting exercise. Mm. (laughs) And he was like, okay, this is so awkward. Like, I was like, I did not mean to send that to you. And it was like, a cloud is a piece of marshmallow disintegrating or what? I don't know what I said. What if you just reply like, damn, this is straight hit. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like spoken poetry. Sorry. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was awkward. It's a little showing another side of yourself. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> deep. That was years ago, though. So, uh, anyways, how would you explain the sound of Lizzie Land too in its current form? Hmm. Okay, well, generally, um, I say that it's it's pop. I write pop music, um, but it's kind of a fusion of indie and pop. And I like to say I love like ethereal sounds, like Enya, kind of new age music. So it's like an Enya pop, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay, I know. That is very interesting because the way I would explain it is more, I think of like a little bit of housey, a little bit of island. Yeah, there's a couple different like the different the people that I collaborate kind of, um, you know, help shape the vibe of the song and that kind of fluctuates. But vocally um, and lyrically, it kind of I try to remain 
the same. And I think it kind of stems from that like new age kind of elongated notes. I don't know. Um, I don't know the best way to describe it other than kind of Enya-esque or like mm-hmm. Enya fused with some sort of like Spice Girl or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I could definitely see like the long withheld notes like yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. I think you have that song. Is it called Save Me? I, I remember oh, you Oh, Bad Things. Yeah. Bad Things. Yeah. Yeah, that you one's really. really hit some range on that. I hope I can plug oh, that in here you. if you guys hear that. <laughs> yeah, but thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, that one was, I wrote that one actually all myself and recorded everything on my own, which was the, it's the only song that I've ever been able to do that with so far. Um, but that one happened really quickly as well um, and is a little bit different than the other songs that I put out, especially instrumentally. But um, but yeah, that one's more like ballady, I guess. And I've been kind of wondering, if you could go back five years, what would you tell yourself about the industry as you've experienced thus far what kind of advice would you have for yourself just put out music (laughs) put it out when it's done don't overthink it um you know to evolve you really have to put yourself out there and get feedback from people and I think at the time um five years ago I think I I limited myself which is a disservice to myself and others because you know you want you to be a creator you need to really like put yourself out there and in the you know like people aren't going to always like what you what you write and what you say um and i think it's important to to just stay true to yourself and really um stand by your art or whatever it may be mm-hmm. and that kind of sounds like that's applicable to anyone looking up to being a performer or artist yeah, too absolutely even you know yeah in any kind of business that you're in you have to really go for it and you know like make mistakes and and don't be afraid to fail because i think my the most important lessons i've learned are from all of the failures yeah yeah i think i've learned a lot of my lessons from failures too and i feel like when you put a song out there that's when you figure out how to shape your sound in the first place because right. you'll see if it gets engagement or if it doesn't yeah what people like about it what people don't like mm-hmm. the uh criticism that you're saying yeah. helpful criticism oh yeah and yeah. it doesn't you know ultimately ultimately it doesn't always matter um if people aren't liking it it just gives you a chance to evolve and create things that you know people do like as long as you like it too i think that's the most important as long as you're staying true to yourself and kind of growing at your own pace then that's what's important what can we look forward to for lizzie land in the future we got this show this tuesday yeah which that might be in the past by the time this is out <laughs> yeah like i said well. you guys probably enjoyed that i know you <laughs> did i know yeah. i will as long as we can make it kim yeah. But what are we what are we looking forward to in the future here? Yeah, more live shows definitely. I'm gonna be putting out my EP here shortly, um, and then hopefully I'd love to go on a tour. I'd love to open for a bigger artist and just kind of experience that. Um, so so yeah, more live shows. Hopefully some more. I I since I just quit my day job, I'm gonna have some more time to kind of just go out there and explore and write and um, you know be more socially present um, on social media yeah um so yeah just more of that okay lots of live stuff yeah um with with the cp what are we looking at sound wise for it uh for my ep yeah oh um it's gonna sound similar to sweet melodies to a lot of the songs that i've already put out um i think they all kind of fit together in that kind of um a new wave pop genre um so a lot of it is upbeat and and fun and kind of dancey but there are some sort of like ballady songs that are in there too all right well i'm excited do we have a date for that i don't have a date quite yet i'm you actually set a deadline for I know, it lizzie come on this is how we procrastinate point. i know you're so right yeah no but what, it what, is what can we have a rough date for kind of like how you know post malone drake they kind of put stuff they'll put a rough day and keep moving it but what, we, what do we yeah. have for a rough day i think it's going to come out right around uh november right before uh winter kind of sets in um so yeah all right Hopefully lizzie right Army, around there. mark your calendars for <laughs> november okay hold it to it but all right, well, this is an awesome interview. I'm, it was really cool hearing this side of you. I'm super excited to listen to the EP and, and yeah, thank you go so to much. more of your shows. It's yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. 
That was Lizzie Land's super awesome girl. You can find her at Lizzie underscore Land on all the socials. Go hit her up. Go follow her. Be part of the Lizzie fam and support her new music. She's got a new EP coming out soon. And uh, we'll, we'll see if she holds true to her date. Next week, we got Kim Rosard on, my girlfriend. She's pursuing a lot of awesome things. Audience of 46,000 on Instagram. She's killing it with our Kim Say Hi. Hi. <laughs> and you will hear more of that voice next week. We'll see you guys then next Wednesday. <laughs>